We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. This is really weird because I don't do this. This is Kel's job. <laughs> Kel ain't here. Kel's stuck in Miami somewhere. He was in Puerto Rico with his family. But I'm Andreas Hale. Kel's gone. But I'm joined by somebody who I met. Damn. Hey, how long has it been? I met you. You, I, you interviewed me for Veterans Minimum in... Right before the pandemic. Right before the pandemic. Dude, what's crazy is when I first got with Blue Wire, December of 2019, Kevin Jones, shout to Kevin, called me, and he was pitching me on the idea of Blue Wire, and you were one of the names that he mentioned. Oh, really? And I was like, yo, I know him. Like, I didn't know you, <laughs> but I knew of your content, and I've told you this from the beginning, man. I'm a, I'm a fan of the show. I'm a fan of yours way before I ever met you, and you've always been, like, dope as hell anytime I've asked you for a favor or even to pick your brain. Wow. we come for a full circle. So we have Nick Day is here um, from Veterans Minimum, part of the Blue Wire family. But it's good to have you. And we haven't done a show. We haven't done anything together since. Since then. Shit. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's the show to do it. Uh, it's, it's a combat show. It's uh, UFC 288. So we're doing MMA. We're saving pro wrestling and boxing for when Kel comes back. But uh, we're going to talk up and down the card. Probably talk about some bet lines. Mm -hmm. This is a very interesting card. 288 Aljo versus Cejudo in the main event. A really strange cold main event between Bilal Muhammad and Gilbert Burns. A five-round fight on short notice. Sounds fucking ridiculous, but here we are. Um, but before we get into all that, last week not a lot happened. The last UFC card was kind of shitty. Uh, Song Yudong picks up the wing against Ricky Simone. I don't feel like we need to talk about that. But it was all about bare-knuckle fighting. And a lot of people tuned in, myself included, to watch Mike Perry make Luke Rockhold quit and then see Eddie Alvarez and Chad Mendes duke it out in a battle of two. two guys. I don't even know how Chad Mendes made 40, 45. Yeah, he made 45. Dude looked like a tank. Fought Eddie Alvarez. But the big story is uh, Conor McGregor shows up. Um, I don't know if he was coked out. I know he was drinking proper 12. And uh, Mike Perry beats Luke Rockhold, calls out Conor McGregor. Conor says, cool, I'm going to jump in the ring. They do a little face-off. Connor, for whatever reason, has the BKFC belt. And uh, it's a nice little friendly thing, and then they go up about their way. Like, I got to ask you, man, if you're Dana White, what are you thinking when you see Con your, your biggest star go into kind of a competitor, 
and give them the ultimate rub of rubs. Yo, this might surprise you. I think Dana was just like, ah, there goes Connor again. Because Connor, at this point, I feel like Dana can't control him at all. Like, this dude is everywhere. And he was actually playing, he was playing craps at the the win. He was posting it on his social media. And I was like, dude, the one night I'm not at the win, of course, Connor's (laughs) over there acting a fool, drinking his proper 12. It's not a surprise, man. Anything Connor does or says, anytime I see him trending, I expect the worst. I'm like, oh, what did he do this time? Because the track record... Andreas has not been that great for the notorious one. It wasn't really a surprise, man. He, he tries to capture all the headlines, good or bad press for him is, is, is press never, nevertheless. So I wasn't really surprised by it. I wasn't, and I, I feel like Dana was kind of just like, oh, there goes Connor doing this Connor thing again. Oh, like, all right. So the week before that, he shows up to Tank Garcia. Right. He's in Ryan Garcia's locker room, giving him tips. <laughs> like Connor, you got beat up by Floyd. Like, you, don't give anybody tips. Then he shows up for BKFC. The thing that got me though is the, the the first shot on Connor. He's drinking out of the bottle of proper twelve. The first thing I say is that motherfucker ain't fighting this year. Yeah, I said the same thing. <laughs> I, I was like, dude, every video I've seen Michael Chandler, it's him in the gym. He's tossing around like thirty pound uh, medicine balls. He's doing all this stuff. Cause he trains, he trains down in Florida. And one of my good friends, Jared Gordon sees him at the gym often. He's like, this dude is locked in, locked in. And you see Connors <laughs> playing craps, yelling at fans with the bottle drinking. It's like, yeah, they're definitely not fighting this year. I, like they haven't given us a day for the fight. The ultimate fighter hasn't aired yet. Connors in the salmon suit, drinking proper 12, clearly not training for a fight. I don't know. He still looks big. Like, it's a fight at 170, but he looks bigger than that. But that's my thing. Like, Dana sees him. It's like, okay, you gave BKFC the rub, but you're drinking out the bottle? That means you're drinking much more behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Over under, this fight happens November this year. Well, that's the one I feel that they're aiming for, right? Right. The MSG card is always the one in November. I don't know, man, because he's still got to go through USADA, right? And yes. I know people have said that there might be some loopholes that he could jump through, but I don't know when it comes to USADA, man. I think he's still got to go through that. And look, it, if they had a, I'd be a lot more worried about this if they told us that, you know, June 20th he was fighting. Right. I'd be like, yo, Andres, I don't know about that, man. We might need <laughs> someone else to make weight for that fight. But since they haven't told us a date, I don't think it's as crazy. But on the flip side, when you see Chandler is already locked in in the gym, because it's a massive fight for him also, it's hard for you to balance that. See, I don't even know because if you're Michael Chandler and you're locked in and you turn on BKFC and you're like, the dude's doing this? I got to start worrying about overtraining, right? Like, I got to worry about burning myself out because I don't know when he's going to fight. He's training for a fight that doesn't exist. That's crazy. Like, if you're Michael Chandler... And yes, your big payday, but we all know Michael Chandler likes to fight. It's the biggest fight of your, probably your life at this point, right? Because ever since he showed up to the UFC, he has had just great performances, even if he loses. But how many more times can you lose a fight? You got to be Conor. You have to. And that's what makes this fight so compelling, because I feel like Conor also got to win, too. Oh, he has to win. So I've been, saying, I've been saying this, and I would love to hear your take on this. I feel like we have one more Conor moment. And what I mean by that is... Not so much that he's going to win his next fight, but it's going to be like, holy shit, yo, Connor's fighting this weekend. Because if he goes into this next fight and he loses, after that, if I tell you, yo, Connor's fighting, you might be like, eh, it was once cool. Right. I'll tune in, but that, oh, man, you're going to get all your boys that don't watch the UFC to tune in. I think his 
the 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 aura of Connor takes a hit. So the next time we see Connor, I still feel as if it's going to be a holy shit Connor is fighting moment. Then after that, he got to win. Now if he wins, it's a different conversation. Yeah. But man, Chandler has fight of the night. He's gotten a bonus every time he's fought, and he's you know he's not to use the wrestling term. He's not really fighting jobbers. He's no. fighting like champions and contenders the whole nine so yeah it's gonna be a big one man oh man it's that's a i mean kind of still the face of the ufc right yeah. like in boxing i still think canelo's the face of boxing even though tank had the big win but even if canelo loses wins people are gonna come out to see him connor's the same case but at a certain point to, to what you're saying it's like yo man i'm tired of watching him lose right you got knocked out by poirier you broke your leg against poirier then you vanished for what almost two years again now you fight Chandler. If you lose to Chandler, it's like, bro, what's left? But if you beat Chandler and you beat him at 170 pounds, where Leon Edwards is currently champion, where the whole welterweight division is a clusterfuck of whatever, Colby Covington is supposed to get a title shot. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But if Connor beats Chandler, let's say he beats him decisively. Now Dana goes, hey, you want a title shot, buddy? Immediate title shot, bro. <laughs> Immediate. And so many people are going to be pissed, but it's almost a uh, – being the betting man that I am, it's a it's a heavy favorite that if he beats Chandler, either 155 or 170, he's going to get a top. Dog, it's a money-making business. Yeah. As much as Dana talks about, oh, rankings, man, rankings don't fucking matter. Connor goes in there and wipes the, the canvas with uh, Chandler, and he calls to be the first tree division champion in, MM, in UFC history. Of course they're going to give him the title fight. Without a doubt. But he's got to win. Uh, Luke Rockhold quitting in a fight. I think that was the moment you seen the graph in like Twitter, like the fuck around and find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Luke Luke Rockhold fucked around and found out. Like, I hope he got a nice payday, man, because that was it was it was so cringe. I, I don't like bare knuckle at all. I was about to ask you that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of that. Um, uh, you're talking to someone who I, I train martial arts, I do jujitsu, but I also don't like when people send me street fight videos of dudes just getting flat lined at like a. Imagine going to the Raider game with your family, and now you got to worry about dudes fighting. You just dropped how much money to bring your family out to a game, like close to $1,000 probably, four tickets, whatever it might be. Now you got to worry about Chad and Rob fighting in the stands right next to you. So bare knuckle is basically that, dude. It's just sanctioned, right? Like you got no, you got no gloves on. And, you know, Rockhold has always been a guy who's been chinny in his career for him to go into bare knuckle, which Mike Perry is like, what, the Mike Tyson of bare knuckle? Like, No, he's built for this. <laughs> yeah, he really is. He really is. So, yeah, man, I think uh, I think it's all fun and games until you get punched in the mouth. Now add no gloves, no protection, just bare knuckle. I think you get a little bit of a wake-up call. Right, like so I'm watching the fight, and I'm watching Luke Rockhold as soon as they total line, the fight starts. And Luke, like, immediately you see this look on his face like, oh, shit. I don't know if I want to be here. The look on Mike Perry's face is, this is where I've always wanted to be. Because skill-wise, Mike Perry was never really an MMA fighter. He was never really a mixed martial artist. He was just kind of like a bare-knuckle street fighter. Yeah. This is right up his alley. And I think if you're David Feldman, you're the president and the founder of Bare Knuckle, Mike Perry's the gift that keeps on giving. Feldman went on to say he expects to get a major TV deal in the next two months. Fact or fiction? Built, about, built around Mike Perry. Who would have thought about that, too? <laughs> Dude, some guys are just made for it, right? Like, you're right. He was – I always have this thing that whenever someone tells me about a fighter, if the first thing you tell me is that they're tough, it's like a red flag for me. And Mike Perry was always, like, the tough guy at the bar. And he's perfect. He's the face of what bare knuckles should be. 
And if you could get behind him, he's still relatively young, right? He's like 34, 35 around there. Yeah. Maybe yeah, younger. I think he's younger than that. I think he's early 30. I think he might be like 31, 32. Yeah. So, yeah, you could definitely build around him still. And he's built for it. TV deal, I don't know. It kind of, in a weird way, has like a, a, a slap box vibe to it. There it is. It. That's what I was waiting for. This yeah. is it's a slap fighting yeah. with knuckle, But as much as slap fighting is ridiculous and it's like the worst thing ever, because I'm like, who the hell wants to pay to watch people get slapped? At least bare knuckle, there's a competitive aspect to it. And you're moving around. Yeah. You, you can know? avoid the damage. Right, right. Like, I always, thought, I always thought it'd be dope if they did the power slap, but like a boxing match. Slap box. Yeah, slap. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's more, that would be more entertaining. Because, dude, you give anybody a clear shot to your mouth and to your jaw, it's a wrap. It don't, it don't take much. I, I don't know, like... Feldman saying Bare Knuckle gets a TV deal. I don't know if I'm a TV network if I can stomach a Bare Knuckle. Like, did you see Rockhold's teeth on Instagram? Dude, all of them. Yeah, his teeth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, dude, everybody right. that goes into Bare Knuckle, when you see them after, you're like, oh, why would you do this? Why would you? Like, I watched Crazy Horse fight Bare Knuckle, and it was one of the early Bare Knuckle fights, and he breaks his left hand in the first round, and he gets TKO'd because he broke his right hand in the second round, and he couldn't fight anymore. So both his hands, so he's standing there like with both hands limp at his side, and the referee's like, can you continue? He's like, no. Like, who wants to watch people just destroy themselves? Nobody looks good in bare knuckle. Like, again, Mike Perry came out clean because Rockhold quit. Um, I hate using the term quit, but Luke kind of quit, right? Like, you knew what you signed up for. You got yeah. punched in the mouth. You weren't really that hurt. You just, you just found out, like, oh, this ain't mixed martial. This, there's nothing mixed martial or art about this. This is straight up fighting. I don't think they can get a TV. Maybe like some, nah, Amazon Prime's got one. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I guess if you want content, but who? the worst thing is this was a big card because of the names attached were all former UFC fighters. You can't do that every card. Yeah. you're gonna. I mean, even though Ben Rothwell fought, which was, it was crazy to see him fight. But it's like, I don't think they got enough names to carry the brand. It's tough, man. You got to have a lot of depth. It's cool if you have this, if you have a one-off and you want to make your money off that, cool. But when you start talking about TV deals, now you need to have a whole roster. You got to make sure that the guy that does fight gets the win. He could fight in two, three months. It's, it's weird, man. It's weird. I feel like those kind of things, like power slap and bare knuckle, it's cool to have one big event a year or like, you know, two, three a year and really put all your eggs in one basket for that event. That to try to do something every week or every other week, it's just you're asking a lot. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's a bit much. I want to pivot to uh, before I want to talk about one. Before I talk about one, I want to talk about Francis Ngannou. Mm. Uh, Shatri Sitterdung, I talked to him earlier, well, late last week, and we were talking about Francis, and he was like, "We're going to make an offer to Francis," and I guess reports came out that he's backed off of that. Francis allegedly is close to signing a deal with somebody. Where the hell is Francis Ngannou go? And if you're an MMA promotion, right, because you're going to have to pay him. And I figure you're going to have to let him box. But who has a heavyweight division that's interesting enough to watch Francis Ngannou beat him up? Is it Bellator? I mean, dude, we're wrestling fans, right? Yes. Don't the parallels line up to a John Jones Francis down the line? Dude, they, they have to figure that out. And they've been planting the seed, right? Like John Jones after his win. They, were, they asked him about Francis because he tweeted something. He's like, man, he's just a pussy. He's like, he ain't shit. Like, I don't, I don't even want to talk about him no more. 
And then he, you know, Francis has never lost a belt. He just had to let it go. He got it stripped of. They stripped it because they couldn't negotiate or whatever. But I think that's ultimately what we need to have happen. Because, dude, I'm very bougie in this sense where if you're not in the UFC or you're not WWE. <laughs> I don't care. It's hard for me to to to, to tune in. So if, if you want to be the heavyweight champ, it got to be at the UFC. I don't know what Francis is doing. Like, I respect it. Yeah. I respect him making sure he wanted to get his money, his demands, he wants to box. I get it. But I'm like, bro, like, you one actually has a pretty good heavyweight division. I look at Bellator, I'm like, Francis Ngannou versus Ryan Bader? I'm good. I have yeah. a zero interest in that. I can't see where Francis would go that's not back to the UFC. And even though Daniel's like, that door's closed, I don't believe that shit for a minute. Nah, man. It, the, the bottom line sells. We we know this. We we've been covering. I mean, you've been covering this forever. How many times have you seen like even wrestlers where Vince is like, "Oh, they'll never come back," yeah. and then seven years later they're having a Hall of Fame speech and they have one more match. Well, like yeah. eventually, it's it, it it's a sad reality. But I think money money talks, and if they can, if if John Jones in his next fight just runs through Stipe and he beats Stipe, which the Vegas lines, he's like close to a three to one favorite As to do so, be. and. You know, two guys that are coming off big layoffs, even though John Jones just fought. He he runs through Stipe. What's there left for John Jones to do? Retirement. There, literally, there's nothing yeah, there. Retirement, or it's like, yo, let's try to one last ride at this Francis fight to set it up. Because then that's the fight that everyone really wants. Yeah, it's it's their the UFC doesn't have a lot of super fights, right? They have big fights and they feel big because it's Connor. Yeah. But they haven't had a fight where it was like the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. Yeah. I think like John Jones versus Francis Gano at heavyweight. John Jones is the greatest mixed martial artist who walked the planet. And Francis is the hardest hitting heavyweight we've ever seen. Like that's, to me, that's a no brain. You're leaving money on the table. That's why I'm saying Dana mentioning that, ah, that door is closed. It's like, nah, bro, it ain't closed. It, it's never closed. It could always reopen. Yeah. I mean, look, man, save your money from Power Slap, kibosh that shit, give it to Francis. Let's get a fight. Um, one is having an event on Friday, Cinco de Mayo weekend, headlined by Demetrius Johnson versus uh, Adrian Marais. It's a trilogy fight. I don't even want to talk about the fight. I think DJ is going to win, even though DJ says it's going to be his retirement fight. But Shami said something that I kept sitting on, and I was like, is he, is he right? He says DJ's on the Mount Rushmore of MMA fights. Top four of all time. True or false? Man, you know what's unfortunate? For him, Andreas, is that he fought in a division that wasn't popping. Right. Right? Remember, it was... It's about to get closed. Yeah, Save the Flyweights was like a trending thing on Twitter. Like and then, Save the Divas. And then and then, uh, and then you had like the Figueredo and Moreno scraps. And even though that happened a little bit before, you had Cejudo coming down. And, and he fought TJ at 125, which was crazy for TJ to make 125. But you kind of had that little resurgence. And now 125 is pretty interesting. They've had some... Really landmark fights. You had the not the trilogy, but the the four fights with Moreno and and Figueredo, and now you got Pantoja in there. Like you got a lot of really dope names at 125, and DJ was just ahead of his time. Like if he was entering his prime now, oh man, add him to this mix with like Moreno and Pantoja and all these guys. You're talking about like yo, the 125ers, the 135ers. That, that's that's where it's at right now. So. It's hard to dis to disagree with him, man, because at his peak, like I always like to look at it as, what when were you in your absolute apex? Like that five to seven year run that every prime athlete has, 
no one was touching him, dude. Nah. Nobody was touching him. And it just sucked that he was in a division that didn't have anyone with mass appeal like he did. It's it's weird because like DJ would headline pay-per-views and the numbers would tank. The attendance wasn't great. And then Dana was threatening to shut the division because he was so far ahead of it. Then, then he loses a controversial decision to Cejudo after mauling him the first time they fight. And then Dana says, I'm going to trade him to one for Ben fucking Askren. Yeah. That didn't work out so well for the UFC, but it worked out for DJ in a way. Like, DJ is now at a point in his career, if anybody's talked to DJ or seen his interviews, he, he talks a lot more. He's more entertaining. He's in a in one which I – the the – the uh, global MMA rules with knees to the uh, grounded opponent, as much as I, I kind of squirm when I see it, kind of makes the shit fun. And DJ, like, the first time he got knocked out by Moraes, he was like, I forgot that was part of the game, and it got me fucked up, basically. In the rematch, he was like, well, I know what I can and can't do, and he beats Moraes, and now he's entering this trilogy fight. But I said all that to say, like, if DJ was still in the UFC, I have a feeling they would have forced him to go to Bantamweight, and they would have shut down that division. Because he would have been a little bit too dominant. If 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 the Cejudo loss never happened, and DJ beat Cejudo, I think the, I think Dana would have shut the flyweight division down like six weeks later. It's hard to disagree with that, man. Because I'm just trying to remember the guys that were in that division. Like Ray Borg was challenging for a title, and then that dude ended up getting cut from the UFC because right. he just couldn't make weight. Like he recently was having a fight, I think at Bellator or another promotion, and he didn't make weight. And then yep. they they released him also. So. And he main evented a title fight against uh, Demetrius. So it's it's hard, man. It's hard to think of what would have happened if he would have stayed. But he got to be in that discussion, dude. Whether whether he was ahead of his time, I think he's definitely in that conversation. It's hard because obviously you have John Jones. You have George St. Pierre. Some list for whatever reason leave Anderson Silva off. I think Anderson Silva belongs there. I feel like it's them three and then you have the debate for four. Yeah. Like, I really think it's them, it's Silva, GSP, and John Jones. And then from there, you know, you want your Habib because you value someone being undefeated. You want to put, I don't know, I can't think of anyone else off the top right now, but, like, maybe Izzy in a couple of years will enter that conversation also because what do we like more than anything? When a dude is the man, then loses it, then gets it back, right? Like, it, his superstar just went up, like, 5X with him beating Pereira the way he did and also add the whole trilogy and the rivalry between them two. So, yeah, man, I think, like, Volkanovski you can make a case for also for how dominant he's been. And then he goes up to 155. Yeah, he loses. But that's what's crazy about him and Adesanya, which the more I was thinking about it, Andreas, I was saying to myself how rare it is to see those two guys on – well, Izzy at the time was undefeated, and he went up to 205. And then Volk was on a, what, 22-fight win streak? Yep. And he put that on the line, and they both lost, and they both left that kind of better than they did coming in. Volk yeah. especially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see what Volk does against Yari Rodriguez. I mean, also in the conversation, you have Fedor, depending on if you value what he did in Pride, which I do, because Pride had the, the most deadly heavy division we had ever seen. You also have Dan- Daniel Cormier. DC, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, he he was the Joe Frazier to John Jones' Muhammad Ali, right? Like, if, the, if there was no John Jones, we'd be talking about DC's greatest fight all the time. I mean, dude, we kind of have to anyway, right? Because, like, the losses that he has to Jones, there's an asterisk. Yeah. And then he also went up to a different division and won the belt also. And his last fight was a five-round decision loss for a title. Yep. So, 
that's the way if I was ever a fighter, dude, that's the way I would want to go out. I wouldn't want to go out like how you see guys like Cowboy where you're like, damn, dude, you lost to Morono who, who three <laughs> years ago, not even five, three years ago, you're like a minus 800 favorite. Yeah. You know, like these guys that stay far too long. So, yeah, D.C., man, D.C. for sure. What about what about Cejudo? Well, we're going to get to that with USC 288. It's, man, it's weird. Like, the way I look at Cejudo is I think he overvalued himself, mm. which kind of cut him off at the knees because we should have seen more performances from Cejudo. After oh, yeah. he beats Dominic Cruz, it's like, all right, you look at that division. He could have fought, probably fought Aljo earlier, but we didn't see him fight Petitian. Like, we didn't see him fight any of these guys. And now he's coming back. And he's over 35 after this long layoff, and he's fighting Aljo, which is not an easy fight. Uh, spoiler alert, I predict him to lose. I think Aljo's going to beat him. But he hasn't done enough. He's, he's in that weird spot where it's like, I could have seen you do more, and you chose not to. Whereas like a lot of people would not put Habib there, but my thing is like Habib like mauled everybody he fought, which is scary to think of. They're like, oh, he didn't fight anybody. Well, whoever they put in front of him, he beat the shit out of them. Dude, and sometimes that's the answer, right? Like, I, I always have these conversations in the NFL where I'll tell people, like, yo, they haven't beaten anyone good. And the counter to that is, like, yeah, but they're also beating the shit out of the teams that they're supposed to be beating, right? right. Like, it's, it's a weird dynamic because I feel like if, if you have a weak schedule but you're dominating them, like, you're, you're an NFL team and you're beating all these teams by 20 or more, you're a Habib. Yeah, your competition didn't get good until – the last five, six fights of your career, but you're also 10-8ing everyone. You're winning 30-26s, and it's definitive. Like, under no circumstances did you drop around to anybody in no one's eyes, right? So, yeah, you're right. Like, they're so dominant. So I I agree with you on that, too. Yeah, Habib's an interesting one. I don't know. We'll see. DJ says he might retire after this week. I don't know if I believe him. I feel like it's a a market employee for people to watch the fight. Um, But at the same time, if DJ wins and then he's like, I've done pretty much everything. What's left? The only thing that's left is to come back to the UFC. And I wonder what that would look like. I wonder if Dana would be like, all right, you want to come back here? Because I think he beats Brandon Moreno. I think he beats everyone at 125. Like, I think if DJ were to come back with this division the way it is, now we got to have a conversation. If he runs through that division again after being away. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's some GOAT status shit. That is. Without a doubt. That definitely is. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, UFC 288. Um, let me pull up this because this card is. So, can I tell you my thoughts on this card just as a whole? Yeah. I feel like it's a dope card for people like us. Yes. But for your casuals, it's basically the main and the co-main. Dude. All right. So, this particular weekend is an interesting one. Canelo fights John Ryder. One is on Friday. WWE backlash with Bad Bunny headlining in a wrestling match in Puerto Rico. And then this card. This card doesn't have star power, but like if you look up and down the card for hardcore fans like myself, who have covered this sport for a long time and just enjoy like good fights, this is a good fucking card. I was concerned when Charles Oliveira was, got injured and was off the card. And I was like, oh, what are they going to do? And they put Malad Muhammad and Gilbert Burns in a five-round welterweight fight with the number one contender status on the line. I was like, okay, cool. This is a good, this is a good card. Even the prelims. Drew Dober versus Matt Frivola? That's a fucking good fight. Marina Rodriguez versus Verna Jandaroba. Phil Haas is on here. Uh, Devin Clark, Chaos Williams. But the main card with the return of Kron Gracie. Jessica Andras versus John Jannon? This is a good card. Uh, I want to start with this co-main event, though. Because I talked to Gilbert Burns and Bilal both last week. And I asked him, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? <laughs> And, you know, Bilal was like, well, this is the only way I was going to get a title fight. I was like, you sure about that? He was like, yeah. You know, Dana said if I fight Gilbert. And I was like, you chose to do a five-round fight? He's like, yeah, you know, because I believe in myself and Gilbert's not fought anybody. I was like, yeah, but Gilbert fought Hamza Kamayev and gave him hell. Like, I'm not saying you can't beat him, but. Hold on, hold on. Bilal said that Gilbert hasn't fought anyone? Yes. I don't know, man. He fought Usman. Right. Kamayev. Like. Bilal, are you watching MMA? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. when he said that to me, I just sat there. I was like, bro, I'm not sure if you're watching the UFC. Like, this man fought for a title. And he was like, well, he got knocked out. Yeah, but he's the only person prior to Leon Edwards knocking him out that really buzzed Usman. Yeah. But I was like, the Kamaya fight, like, yo, that was a war. Everybody thought Hamza was, like, untouchable. Yeah. And Gilbert touched him. And he exposed him, too, man. He showed you that if you're, if you're fighting Chamayev and you could weather that first seven minutes – which is going to be a storm right. coming at you. But then after that, he looked human. You're like a human being. So, yeah. I, so I was like, and then you opted for a five-round fight? I was like, are you getting paid more? He's like, no. He's like, I'm getting paid more to take the fight on short notice. But I was like, y'all took this fight on three weeks' notice. His thing was, I'm guaranteed the title fight. Because if I didn't make noise and take this opportunity, Kobe was going to get it, and that was that. I asked Gilbert the same question. And Gilbert was like, the way Gilbert looks at it is, is, is interesting. Because he's like, all I do is take risks. Right, like he talked about his career and everything he's done, and he was like, "Yo, I'll be the backup." He's like, "I don't care." He's like, "I'm just here to fight." Because he said, "If I don't fight Bilal, and something were to happen to Kobe and Leon, I would get pushed to the back of the line." And I was like, "That's fair," but y'all both not, 25 minutes in a co-main event. Who do you give the upper hand to in this? Man, talk about two styles clashing. Both guys want to take it to the ground. Both guys want to control. I feel like, 
I mean, I don't even know if I feel this way because Bilal really went crazy against Sean Brady. He did. On the feet, you know, TKO in him. And this was a dude who Sean Brady, I remember watching him at CFFC go into the regional fights in Atlantic City and watching him over there. And people were saying when he was like 7-0, they're like, yo, this kid is going to be a He's going to be a problem. And then he comes into the UFC, and he, he was like five or six wins in a row in the UFC, too, before he ran into Bilal. So I think both guys have amazing cardio. That's why I think a five-round fight for them is not that big of a deal. It's kind of playing to their strength. We know about Gilbert's jiu-jitsu, but also Bilal has great top control on people, too. So this might end up being like a striking affair. Right? Right. Every time you, you have two wrestlers or two guys that want to take it to the ground, usually it becomes a kickboxing match. And you're like, why are you guys doing that? But they both know each other's game. So I think it's going to be a stand-up affair. I feel like Bilal can beat him on volume, where Gilbert has that knockout power that Bilal doesn't. I'm interested because, Gilbert, bro, you just fought. Yeah. You just fought Masvidal. And I'm not so much talking about the fight itself. I'm talking about camp. You had a full camp for that fight. Yeah. And when he talked about risk, he was like, yeah, and I fought in Miami. I took a risk, right? Like, I was like, bro, you knew you was going to be masked with all. Like, stop. We all did. You were yeah. minus 500. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we all knew that, right? Yeah. Like, you call it taking a risk. He's like, yeah, but what if, you know, I was worried about it getting to the scorecards. I was like, that's fair, but come on. Like, I wasn't worried about it. I'm worried about you being in another camp. And now it's a camp for a five-round fight. I'm giving – what's the betting line on this? I haven't looked. It's around minus 130 for Gilbert, that's plus fair. 110 for Bilal. I like Gilbert a lot in this fight. Yeah, me too. I, I like the heavy hands. If, if the fight hits the mat for any reason, I don't know if Bilal can deal with Gilbert's jiu-jitsu. I think it's really underrated. Like, a lot of people don't talk about it enough because he doesn't necessarily use it unless he yeah. has to. And, you know, granted, he wanted to submit Masvidal, and that didn't happen. But I think if he gets Bilal, if he hurts Bilal and gets him down, it's a wrap. I can't see a world where Bilal finishes Gilbert Burns. I can see him pushing the pace and winning 3-2. Yeah, that's kind of what I envisioned too. But I I just think there's so many advantages for Gilbert Burns in this fight. Um, His striking improves every fight, like every fight. And he's got a hell of a chin. And I don't think Bilal hits that hard. Yes, the Sean Brady win was impressive, but do that to Gilbert Burns. But that was also a combination of a shitload of strikes. And he was pushing the pace on Brady. Brady was on the back foot the entire entire, fight. Yes. And he was winded. Right. I remember I came in live on Bilal after round one. I was like, this dude, like, yeah, he's undefeated, but he looks like he needs a defibrillator right now. He looks winded on the stool. So Bilal is is one of those guys where he'll he'll outstrike you. Like, it's it's like that main event we saw uh, about a month ago between Sanhagen and Vera, Mm, where, like, it's, it's basically along the same lines of, well, Sanhagen will outpace him, he'll outstrike him. But Vera might, you know, hit him 60 times significant, but those 60 are like, damn, this dude is beat up. So yeah. I can see the fight playing out that way. However, when it comes to the 170 division, dude, I think everybody is just everybody's just waiting until my boy Rachmanov comes against the belt. Cause that, that's that's future champ right there. Yo, so that's that's my guy, man. So Shavkat Rikmano, like if you listen, like when I talked to both of them, they both kind of mentioned him, but not really. They was like, well, you know, if I, if we didn't fight each other, we're probably going to have to fight Shavkat. And it's, you could tell that both of them was like, we don't want to fight that guy. We don't want to fight that guy, bro. <laughs> like, 
Let him be. Like, let him do his thing. Because Let's deal with him when he becomes champ, and then we have to go after him. But on the way up, let's, let's avoid him. Listen, Shavkat got a standing rear naked choke. Like, you know, I mean, you know, you train. You know what kind of strength that is? The wildest thing about him, dude, is he's 17-0, and 0, and it's – I've never seen a – a resume like his where it's it's nine submissions eight knockouts where usually it's like all right you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu you have you have 17 wins but right 15 of them are by sub like this dude is balanced balanced man it's, it's scary i don't think anybody wants to fight him and and so i'm officially picking gilbert burns are you picking yeah i'm on burns also so all right so let's just say burns wins this fight now again i asked him both this i was like dana guarantee you a title shot he was like yes like when he was like, next. I was like, when is next? Because that's two fights from now. It could be. Like, yeah. right now, Leon is now saying he's fighting in Abu Dhabi. I don't know if Leon's calling the shots or not, but that's what he's saying. And Kobe ain't saying shit. We ain't heard from Kobe, but it looks like it's not going to happen in the international fight week, which I thought was bullshit. Like, if Leon just want to fight, why would you push him in the international fight week against a guy that he don't even want to fight? But it looks like it's going to happen in Abu Dhabi. I'm just wondering, like, Let's just say Gilbert Burns gets rid of Bilal quick or the other way around. Do you think either of them leapfrog Colby in that title fight? If Leon wants to fight and Colby's like, nah, let's fight later, I think he leapfrogs him. But you're saying that Leon is, is asking for Abu Dhabi, which is the October card. Yes. That's becoming a staple now, too, where you got, you got that March card is in Vegas. You got fight week in Vegas. You got that, like, January South America Brazil card. Yep. And then MSG in November. But October is becoming like the destination now for Abu Dhabi. I think that's the only way that he would get leapfrogged is if, if Leon just decides, you know what, man, I want to be active. Let me fight fight week. Maybe I'm headlining because they don't really have a headliner right now oh, they have nothing. For, for international fight week. What are they going to do? Duplessis and, and Whitaker? Nobody wants that. Yeah, they don't, you, you don't want that. So if, if they come to Leon, they're like, yo, you're in the main event fight week. And here's Gilbert Burns. And Colby's like, nah, I want to wait till October. Then that's the only scenario I can see happen. Yeah, it'd have to be something like that. But, I mean, Leon says, he says Abu Dhabi. So, I don't know. I'm intrigued by this You think fight. he got the juice like that now? No, I think he get, he's going to get told what to do. Yeah. I think if Dana's like, we need a main event for International Fight Week, I want to fight in Abu Dhabi. Fuck that. You're fighting International Fight Week. And yeah. you're going to fight Colby. And I think, <laughs> I think Daniel was like, and I want to see you lose because I don't see Kobe with the American flag. <laughs> An international fight week on 4th of July beating a British dude. I think that's what he wants. <laughs> That'd be poetic for Dana. Oh, uh, it would be. He'd sign up for that ASAP. <laughs> uh, what, let me think. What, this, this card, Cron Gracie coming back is it's pretty interesting. Um, the Drew Dober Mafravola fight, there's no way in hell this thing goes to the distance, right? No, and I, and I think now that we got... Right before we started recording, Bryce Mitchell fight got got scrapped. I think yeah. this one Frivola being from the tri-state area. Yep. I think you definitely got to play him and Dober on that. Oh, this, this is a banger of an opener. That dude. When I saw this on the prelims, and I was like, all right, well, I know Frivola's fighting on this card because Aljo, because you know Longo Sarah connections. That makes sense. But I thought this should have been the opener from the jump. Like the idea that. If you put on a banger on the main event of the prelim, leads to more buys. I don't know if that's true. I think if I see this banger opening up the card, I'm like, oh, I'm buying that. That's just one more fight that's enticing for me to drop, what, $75? That's, I mean, that's a good fight. Yeah. Good. Like, Drew Dober smokes people. Favola smokes people. And these two, I think combined, they've finished their last five opponents, I want to say. 
there's no way in hell this thing goes the distance. Somebody yeah. got to go. Yeah, someone got to go. And both of them are fringe top 15 guys or they're ranked like around there. Dober's 14 for Vola's not ranked. Yeah. So this is like to get in get into the conversation of being a ranked guy for Favola. Dober is, man, you want to talk about chins, dude. This guy is just like. Yo, he looks like he's got a strong chin. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he really does. Like you look at Drew Dober, it's like, that dude look like he got a chin. Yeah, he's never been knocked out. That's Yo, what that, you're looking at. That his chin is like. Perfect. Like, he's got the Superman Clark Perfect Kent. symmetry. Oh, my yeah. God. But. You know, for Vola, the steamroller, I don't know who came with the nickname, but he can have it. The steamroller for Vola, he's got hands. Aside from the Terrace McKinney knockout loss, which was a seven-second knockout, which you couldn't see coming, this, man, I it's hard for me to say that this won't be fight of the night. Yeah, and he's coming off a monster win. I remember I bet against him against uh, uh, Atman Azaitar. Yep. Oh, talk about chaos with that guy when his Abu Dhabi trip with the with the brown Bro. back. And the- yes, and the guy like, what the <laughs> fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> and then, so that was his uh, his return fight, and he was like a three to one favorite. I was like, oh, this dude is gonna steamroll for Vola, and then nope, he he got slept in the first round. So he's a he's a dude that I like to describe him as an underdog that'll fight for your money. If you bet on him, you know he's not going to go out like a sucker. Yeah. He's going to go down swinging. Uh, I said the same thing about Gaethje when he fought uh, Fazeev in the yeah. last fight. I was like, dude, plus 250 for Gaethje, man. Man, I think that line is wrong. And also, like, I know Gaethje is going to go down swinging for me, and he did. That's the same way I feel about Frivola. Yeah, I mean, look, I still, to this day, when I saw Gaethje at that line, I was like, what? What's wrong with y'all? Like, I think Fazeev is great, but... Gaethje could take a punch, give a punch, and he's going to give you hell for as long as the fight goes. There was no way in hell that I saw. I thought it was more of an even fight than plus 250. That's crazy. So I talk about this all the time, and it's the only sport that I could talk about this. MMA is the only sport where I'll make a bet, even if I think it's going to lose, just because the line is wrong. Right. Gaethje being an an example. example. Yep. So it happens a lot, man. And also... You know, we see this so much in the UFC where you have a guy who is building momentum, building momentum. He's on a nice winning streak. And then he's fighting like that old head, that gatekeeper like Gaethje. And you look at the line, you're like, man, Gaethje's been in there with. It's been main event after main event after his like, last couple of fights. And, yeah, he's he's losing. But look who he's losing to. Charles. The best. Poirier. Habib. He's not losing to jobbers. Now Fazeev's coming in and it's like, all right, kid, let's see what you got. And then you saw, like, there's still levels to this. And and I'm not saying that Dober and Frivola is that, but I think Dober should be the favorite. And you always see this, though, where, like, the lines are just wrong. Like, Frivola's a guy who's going to fight for your money. Yeah, I like that fight a lot. Um, Jessica Andrade's making a, another – this is her third fight this year. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, and she got beat beat up by Aaron Blanchfield. Like, Aaron's, yeah. Aaron's the real deal. But she's fighting Jan Zionana, who's just – I think she picked up a win. She lost two in a row heading in this fight. Um, I mean, listen, I don't know. Have you seen the bet line for this? Because I haven't even. I believe Andrade is like a two to one favorite. Should be bigger. I feel like. Yeah, I, minus 190 plus 160. At straw weight, too. Yeah, which is interesting because, okay, so Andrade loses to Aaron Blanchfield because she steps in on short notice. Yeah. Right? And nobody gave her enough credit for stepping in that fight on short notice against a young, hungry fighter 
who looks primed to win a title. And also was having a full camp until Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Andrade had everything working against her in that fight. To this day, I'm like, why did you take that fight? Like, what? You guys got to – I said this to Bilal. I said this to Gil. I said, y'all need to learn how to say no sometimes. <laughs> like, it comes – I know you got to get paid, but it comes to the detriment of your own career because a loss is a loss is a loss, no matter how many ways you slice it. But in this case, if I'm a betting person and I'm looking at Jessica Andrade, I'm like, wait, what? Only? Only? She should be a huge favorite in this fight. Andrade is arguably, outside of Whaley Zhang, the strongest woman pound for pound in MMA and Amanda Nunez. I think she mows Jan down in this fight. Might finish her, might not. I don't know. But I think it's going to be one of those dominant performances. She's getting a full camp. Like, how do you bet against this woman? Yeah, it's hard to disagree with you, bro. Jan is tough. It's tough. It's hard to put her away. I remember I had Mackenzie Dern by sub against her. Yeah, and, I did too. And she had, <laughs> she had like 15 different attempts at it. So she's tough. She comes from a good camp over at uh, Team Alpha Male. And I think they'll definitely have her prepared for takedowns. Andrade is interesting, man, because I feel like she could beat you in so many different ways, which is one of my favorite things when I'm targeting fighters. Like, I don't want you to just be a knockout person or just be a ground guy. Like, I'd rather you be B-plus across the board than you be A-plus somewhere and then D-minus. So that's why GSP has always been my favorite fighter. Because, like, the way I describe him is, like, well, B-plus might be harsh, but, like, A-minus everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was never really superb in one particular thing. He was just great at everything. And Andrade, I feel like, is someone who she has knockout power. Hell, she she submitted Amanda Lemos standing yes. up, too, which is yes. super difficult. A standing arm triangle yeah. against a taller opponent. Yeah, that was that's, wild. That's goofy The straight. whole time I was saying, oh, just, you know, the trip is right yeah. there. Take it to the ground. And then I see the top. I was like, no, you know, that's a lot of beers in, too. I was like, there's no way that she tapped. Like, how'd that happen? And then <laughs> yeah. you see the replay, and that shit was clinched in. But I think Andrade should be able to do whatever she wants in this fight. And it could be something where it's like a comfortable 30-27 decision. Yeah. That's yeah. probably where I'm looking at. Because Jan is tough. I got to give her her dues, no, too. She, she doesn't get put away. And I, I think that that's kind of the way I'm seeing this fight go. Yeah, Jessica Andrade always has a tight fade. Whoever her barber is needs to get extra money. Oh, the best. They, they hook her up. All right, let's talk about this main <laughs> event. Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. Now, I found out talking to Aljo, which has now been reported by Errol and a bunch of other people, that it's supposed to be O'Malley. And O'Malley said no. It ended up being Cejudo stepped in. Now, nobody saw to O'Malley to confirm this. Wow. Aljo told me, he was like, I, he was like, I don't know if I'm giving you too much information. But I was originally supposed to fight Sean O'Malley if I beat TJ Dillashaw. And when and O'Malley, for whatever reason, said no. And he's like, well, give me the next fight that's going to It was like, well, Henry Cejudo. And he's like, sure, thank you. How the hell has Sean O'Malley turned down a title opportunity? Man, that's so weird because they fought on the same night. Yeah. So it's not like O'Malley fought three months ago. No. It's like, no, nah, you both fought in October. Yes. And it's May. Yeah. Wow. Do you think maybe because it's in Jersey? I don't know. I, I don't know. They, I'm sure they, offer, they had to offer him pay-per-view points. He would have been headlining. Right, right, right. I can't fathom for the life of me. It don't feel like something O'Malley would do, though. No, that's why I, like nobody's talked to O'Malley yet, so I'm waiting to hear what he has yeah. to say. But Aljo says that's what he was offered. At the same time, like Bilal told me that he was offered the Kobe Covington type fight five times, and Kobe turned it down. And if that is the case, and Dana still gives this man a title shot, that's nuts. Yeah. You never know who to believe, but O'Malley turning down this opportunity? Yeah, I find it hard to believe, man. Because he's always talked about how he's wanted to get paid first, and then he would take on the hard fights. Right. And, and I love that blueprint. 
right? Like that blueprint that he laid out when he was first coming up and he's finding like the Almeidas of the world and uh, Weinmans of the world. It's like, dude, why should I fight Peter Yan and Marab when I'm making 12K a fight? He's like, no, let me get that second contract. Now it's worth it for me. So I love the approach by O'Malley, but it's also wild to me to hear that. I didn't, I didn't catch this. So you're like breaking news to me about this. I got to look into it because I find it hard to believe that O'Malley would say no, unless he's hurt. That's the only thing I could think yeah. of. But this Aljo Cejudo, and that was the hang-up because I asked Aljo in my interview, I said, why did this fight take so long? Because it set, kept seeing like it was dangling. And he was like, because we were negotiating with O'Malley. And he said no, and Cejudo stepped in. And Cejudo's getting paid. Aljo's like, I'm getting paid regardless, but you know, I want the O'Malley fight. Uh, he said, I want O'Malley next. If I beat Cejudo, I want O'Malley, and then I'm considering going to 45. And I want to go right after the title. Damn, I feel bad for Marab, bro. Yo, so I asked him this. I was like, this is kind of weird because Marab's like your bodyguard, but he, he'll end up fucking up your money at the same time. Because let's just say you beat Cejudo, and Marab's going to need to fight. And you can't give Marab no slouches. You got to give him people. He's like your bodyguard now. You got to yeah. go through me to get you. But... For most people, we look at Marab and we go, ain't nobody beating him. Yeah. Nobody's beating him. So, like, if they offer O'Malley the Marab fight, if I'm O'Malley, I'm like, no. I'm fighting Aljo. If I'm O'Malley, my next fight is for the title. That's it. That's also why it's weird for him to say no. That, I, I don't get there gotta it. there got to be more to that. There, there, gotta be there more has to that. be, yeah, and i got to yeah. figure out what that is. But it's Aljo and Cejudo, and then Marab's just kind of – there and Aljo basically said, if I fight Cejudo and I come out clean, which he expects to do, he wants to fight Sean O'Malley for the year's over, and then he wants to go to 45. Uh, before I even talk about like this particular fight, Aljo at 45 is interesting. He's so, he's big for 35. So I do jujitsu over at Syndicate, and he drops in with Marab often. And one time I was wearing my UFC 270, uh, what was it 276, whichever one it was in MSG. I uh, remember. Yeah, whatever. It was it was that it was uh, a UFC shirt. I like the Statue of Liberty, so we started talking. I was like, "Yeah, I'm from New York, whatever." And uh, halfway through the combo, I'm like, "I'm blown away that you make one." He's huge, and he's like, "Yeah, I get that all the time." I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, this is like sick, bro. It's- like you, you're a freak." And he was laughing. So him at 45 is probably where he should be. Yeah, but you gotta wonder, like, so I've known Aljo. I've known him for about. Six years. I knew him when he first got in the UFC. And even back then, I was like, how the fuck do you make weight? And as time has gone on, Aljo's only, like, gotten more muscular. Yeah. And he's got to shed more weight. And I know these weight cuts aren't easy. I talked to Ray Longo recently, and he was just like, no, nobody's weight cut is easy. I was like, yeah, but his is different because he's big. Like, I know he walks around at least, like, 75, 80. I've heard 80. I know some people that are very close to him. He's, like, a buck 80. So, yeah, 45 is where you need to be. I just wonder how tough this – I wonder for both of them how tough this weight cut is going to be, him and Cejudo. Yeah. Yeah, Cejudo also too, man. It's – you know, I'm having trouble figuring out how Cejudo wins this fight. I, I don't know. Like, do you catch him? How? He has a clear reach advantage over you. Are you going to out-wrestle him? Maybe, but – Aljo is probably the best wrestler in that division other than Marab and right. now you. So that might cancel each other out. Is it going to be a striking affair? I don't know. And, and Aljo keeps a pace on you too. So, man, I, I'm looking at that. The line is essentially a pick It's like minus 115 either way. I feel like that line is wrong, bro. Like I wouldn't be surprised if 
you know, after round three, they they flash the live odds, and it's like minus eight hundred, minus nine hundred. Yeah, it for, can get away from him quick. It, like this fight can get away from Henry super fast. I just don't know how he how he beats him. I've tried to figure that out. So, one thing again before we talk about the fight, I asked Aljo this. I'm gonna ask you this, Nick: Is Aljamain Sterling the most disrespected champion in the UFC right now? In terms of the fans and how they look at it. Yeah, in terms of the fans, for sure, because people still hold the the knee incident with Jan over him. And, like, how'd you celebrate and whatnot? It's like, dude, first of all, it was an illegal strike. Right? right. You can't do that. And then um, I remember betting him in that in the in the rematch because in the first fight, it was like a pick him. Yeah. And then in the second fight, he was like a three-to-one dog. And one of my buddies that I used to do the show with, my, my buddy Boss, we were like, yo, bro, I feel like we got to bet Aljo. Because if this injury was legit and he was hurt and it was a pick now he's healthy. He's a three-to-one dog. I don't know, man. So we bet on Aljo. Even though I thought Jan was going to win, I'm like, three-to-one is crazy. Going back to what we were talking exactly. about before. Yeah. And then, you know, we end up looking like geniuses because like, everyone's like, holy shit, you guys picked a three-to-one dog. We're like, well, you shouldn't have been three-to-one. So Aljo is definitely still disrespected because – when he beats Jan, everyone's like, yeah, all you did was you just take his back and just, like, chill, right? It's like, right. nah, man, it's difficult. Like, being body triangle sucks. That thing is hard to get out of. And then with, with Dillashaw, it's, well, this dude popped his shoulder, like, what, 15 times they said during camp? Yeah. And Dillashaw just wanted to get the last bag before he was out. So, yeah, I agree with you, man. I know I went off on a little bit of a tangent to add some context. I think for sure. Like, I told Aljo that, and he's like, ah, man, I don't know. And I was like, bro, are you serious? Like, you're on Twitter all the time. There is no way that you look at your mentions and go, there's somebody more disrespected than me. Because you were a piece of shit when you ate the knee from Jan. You were a piece of shit when you back, when they said, oh, he's just, he's just body trained. He's just grounding Jan if he was stand up. And then you were a piece of shit when Dillashaw popped his shit. Like, none of these things were your fault. Like, you won when you were supposed to win. You yeah. did what you were supposed to do. And nobody's ever giving you credit. Dean Thomas, he was like, we had a laugh on Sirius because I was just like, I asked him, is he most disrespected? And Dean was like, fuck yeah, he's the most. Like, who yeah. else gets this kind of shit? I can't think of anyone else, right? Because uh, Jamal Hill, he don't get disrespected. Nah. Jones don't. Izzy definitely don't. Nope. Leon doesn't. Uh, Makachev doesn't. Volk definitely doesn't. Absolutely he might not. be the most popular champion in the UFC. And then you're looking at Aljo. Yeah, everyone loves Moreno. Right. And even if you look at the women, like, who's disrespecting Alexa Grasso? Yeah no, one's, yeah, no one's disrespecting her. They're not disrespecting Wei Li. They're not disrespecting Nunez. Yeah, it's the, easily. Yeah, easily. Yeah. As we listed all the champions, I think it's a guarantee. Like, he he's... sat there and thought about this shit. He was like, hmm. And it was like, we had to edit the interview because he thought for like 15 seconds. Like, Alex, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Bro, I was like, there's no way you think you're not. You cannot possibly think there's somebody that gets disrespected more than you. I never thought about that, dude, until you mentioned it now. And then just listing off the fighters that are champions. Like, yeah, nobody gets trashed like he does. Yeah. So you're fighting Cejudo, which I told him, I was like, you know this is a damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because if you beat Cejudo, they're going to say this. Oh, he ain't fought for two. Yeah. Like, oh, he's a flyweight. You're beating up on flyweights now? I was like, bro, like, he thinks he's going to get the respect. I'm like, you're not. Like, unless you just maul him. Like, because I think people forget. When people talk about Aljamain Sterling, I'm like, did y'all watch what he did to Corey Sanhagen? Oh, my God. Like, my favorite one thirty five or Corey Sanhagen, and and that 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 fight was a pick'em, and uh, I remember betting that fight with one of my buddies. He's a big Aljo guy. I was like, ah, come on, man, we'll just you know next next two rounds of beers, 
and put him away in what, like a minute thirty? Yeah, dude, backpack. It was, it was a wrap. He he ducked under, got the got the double, took him down, snaked his back, and just and just wore his ass out. And I'm like, nobody does it to Corey Sandhagen. Yeah, yeah. And I think about that fight a lot because, again, when people talk about Aljamain Sterling, they think about the Jan fight and think about Marlon Moraes kicking him in the face. A the lot knee. Of, it was like a knee. Yeah, like yeah, th- yeah. they think of those two things, and I'm like, y'all don't talk enough about his other performances. Like the Sanhagen performance was extremely impressive. What he did to Sanhagen and talk about a, a win that has aged greatly. Right. That was wild to just maul that dude. And Sanhagen is fantastic. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's such an amazing. It's probably the best win on his resume. It is. I think it is. I think he thinks it is too. But it's like you're heading into this fight and he thinks he's going to stop Cejudo in two. That's, it. that's his prediction. And my only problem with Aljo is that he kicks a lot. It annoys me sometimes. Mm. You throw a lot of kicks, and Cejudo's going to look to grab one of those. Like, he's looking for it. But to your point, let's talk about the fight now. I don't see a path to victory for Cejudo. I don't think he can reach Aljo's chin. I don't think, I mean, dude, we talk about champions getting disrespected. Like, disrespected. I think Cejudo's wins are almost overvalued. Dominic Cruz is clearly on the back nine of his career Yep, in a fight that arguably that could have kept going when he dropped Dominic Cruz and the referee jumped in, whatever. But you beat T.J. Dillashaw was, it's aged horribly for him. In a weight class that T.J., I don't even know how he made flyweight that night. Yeah, yeah. He looked, he looked like he died making weight. Right. You beat Marlon Moraes. That hasn't aged well because Marlon ain't been shit since. Uh, And you, and nobody, very few people thought you beat Demetrius Johnson. So what is the best win on Henry Cejudo's resume? Now, now, Let's add a layoff. Yes, two years. Yeah. Two years where if you see have you seen Suhudo? Have you like seen him in person over the past two years? I haven't, no. He's huge. That's what everyone says too, yeah. Like he's huge. And he joked about it. He's like, yeah, lots of bean burritos. I was like, bro, no, like you're big. So you're coming down to 45 to fight Aljamain Sterling, who is a specimen. Like you look at this guy. There's a couple guys I look at in MMA and I look at their bodies and I'm like, I don't know how you made weight, but you look good when you make weight. Tyron Woodley was one. Mm. Uh, Phil Davis was one. Phil Davis's back was ridiculous. And I was like, I don't know how you make weight. Aljamain Sterling, like, once he hits the scale, he never looks sucked in. Yeah. Like, he cuts this weight properly. He's good at this. All that being said, I don't see Cejudo having the energy for five rounds to deal with Aljo. I don't see him having the striking. I think even if Henry puts him down, I don't know if he can keep him down. And if he does, Aljo's got an active guard. Aljo's got great grappling. He got the better jujitsu too, by far. Yeah, 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 man. It's it's hard to figure out how it would have to be a massive error by Aljamain. Yeah, he have to do something dumb. Like he shoots and Henry times the knee perfect, stuns him, ground and pound. Like that's the only way I could see Henry beating him. Outside of that, it has to be like a I don't want to say a lucky shot, but a time shot because Aljo is just better than him across the board. Now the only the only thing that crosses my mind about Sehudo is we just saw John Jones come back yeah. after a layoff and them two work together. I know. That's so yeah. do you do you buy into the you know uh having champions in your camp and working with champions? Uh okay. Yes and no. Yes, because I think it helps like confidence wise. Cause like when you're working with somebody who's a champ, obviously it's an ego boost, right? Because now you work if if you can stand with them, if you can deal with them, you go, oh, shit, I can deal with anybody. But on the flip side of this, Aldo trains with Marab every yeah.
if anybody's going to push the pace and give you hell night in and night out, that was something that, that Ray Longo told me. He was like, we got to tear them apart because it's those two going at it. They like go at it in six minute rounds, seven minute rounds, like ridiculous. So who don't training with John is like, it sounds good, but I don't think you're getting the pace push. Like John's not going to present anything to Henry that Aljo is going to present to. Him, right. Aside from size. Right, right, right. But even then, it's like John's like, oh, I'm gonna leave. you know, a little guy. I'm just gonna I don't think I don't think it's gonna make that much of a difference. I think it helped John more than it helps Henry. And at the same time, John fought Cyril Gunn. When you talk about somebody who's an A in one spot and an F somewhere else, yeah. That was Cyril Gunn. That's the definition of that. <laughs> we learned like as much as I thought John Jones looked fantastic and everything in that fight, I look at that fight and I'm like, we learned nothing about John Jones. Yeah. We didn't know learn if he could take a punch. We didn't learn how he deals with heavyweight pressure. We learned nothing. But good for John, because he leaves it a mystery of Stipe. So Hudo, on the other hand, he doesn't have that. I don't think he's going to maul Algerine Sterling like that. I think he's going to have to deal with – this is one of those fights where I think he might end up in the deep waters. As much as Aljo says two rounds, I'm like, mm. If you see an opportunity, he'll take it. Yeah. He'll do him like he did Sanhagen. But I think, I think Aljo might choke him out. Yeah, man. I, I think later rounds – I'd probably look for like, you know, Sterling round four, Sterling round five. Yeah, that could so. be something. Take him to deep waters. He hasn't been active in so many years. Aljo's been pretty active. It, again, man, I, I'm trying to keep this conversation going and bring up compelling points, <laughs> but I'm just, I'd be lying to you. I just can't see how Henry can win this fight. He's not going to beat him on the scorecards. Nope. Because Aljo is just, he's just better across the board right now. Now, if this fight was three years ago, maybe it's a di completely different conversation. But right. it's not. This is what we're dealing with now. You're coming off a big layoff. We don't know what your weight cut's going to look like because we haven't seen you have a weight cut like this in so long where you put on the size that you have. And also, you know, Andreas, how much of it is him coming back just to chase a check? You know, bro. I hate that. So there's two things I hate. Ugh. I hate when you come back to fight for money and then... I hate when I hear the R word. Retirement? Yeah. I'm like, man. You're checking out. I was, I had given Mazadal a puncher's chance against Gilbert, but when he was like, yo, you know, I might retire, and I was saying to myself, like, I, I put a, a clip up from the pod, and it was like verbatim what his speech was. I was like, dude, it's so poetic for him to drop the gloves in Miami. Yeah. Yo, I started here. All my Latino people, you could get inspiration from me. I was one of you. And it was like, oh, it's poetic. He starts here, he ends here. Yeah. Like, so once I heard the R word, I was like, yo, it's a wrap. Gilbert's going to smash. Here's the fun part about Cejudo. Well, I want to bring up this other stat. I, I got to do some research because I can't remember if it's 100% true. Fighters over 35 in lower in weight classes underneath light heavyweight are like 0-16 or some wild number in title fights. Or two, two and 14, I think it is. The two wins belong to Tyron Woodley. Mm. Everybody else is over 35, and the title fight has lost. Henry Cejudo's over 35. And he's heading into a fight with a younger, stronger, better version of whatever, and active, everything. I, again, like I look at the odds and I'm like, you guys sure about this? Are you sure? Um, but the money, oh my God. This man retired thinking, Danny Weiss is going to give him the bag to come back. And then he just sat at home for two years. It was like, he ain't calling? He ain't calling? Dana was like, yo, you can have it, bro. <laughs> no, you're, he's like, you're good, man. Like, you ain't, you're not worth that kind of money. Yeah. 
And Henry, but also, also to defend Dana in this situation, 135 got really crazy after yeah. he left, right? Like you had Jan, Sterling, Marab, Corey. Where were you putting him? Yeah. Right? Like, it's like I, I have I have my main eventers now, you know, giving you a million a fight. It, it might not be worth it for me. I don't know what he was asking. I'm just painting the picture. I'm sure it was stupid money. It had to have been. Yeah. Like, you beat Dominic Cruz, you beat uh, Demetrius Johnson, and now you're like, oh, I'm the shit. Yeah. And, you know, you're doing your cringe thing on social media, getting more followers, and you're like, oh, I'm going to retire, and I'm going to be the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. And then I figured, like, Henry was like, hey, Danny, you want me back? And Dana was like, nah. Like, are you seeing what I'm doing at 35? Do you see these matchups? I didn't even mention Cheeto. Oy. Cheeto, Marab, <laughs> like, O'Malley, yeah. like, bro, I don't yeah, need yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a stacked division. Like, and now you want to come back. And we needed to find an opening for you. And I feel like going back to the beginning of this conversation, if Aljo is right and O'Malley passed and that's the only way Cejudo got this fight, that means Cejudo just got an opening to get the fight. That also means in my mind that he hasn't even been preparing to fight somebody like Aljamain Sterling. Meanwhile, Aljo is like prepared to fight anybody. Again, you train with Marab. You're going to deal with anything. The only thing Marab is not presenting you is O'Malley's height and length in that division. Other than that, he's giving you every look possible. I just don't see it. And I think if Cejudo loses, bro, he's retiring. Drop them gloves. It's over. Yeah. It's it's one of those like a, uh, man, I, truthfully, even if he wins, I can see him retiring. That's awesome. Like a GSP thing? Yeah. It'd be kind of douchey, bro. I mean, it'd be on brand for him, right? It would. It would. It's cringe, but. Yeah, yo, Dana, guess what? I'm doing it again. <laughs> just drops the belt. <laughs> what an asshole. He could do that, though. I just, I don't see him winning this fight, man. I, yeah, I just I really don't either. And if you're Aljo, again, like you beat Henry Cejudo and you go, all right, I'm going to fight O'Malley. And then then you lay down that title. You go, Marab, come and get that. Because that's yours. Yeah. Because I, personally, I don't think anybody's beating Marab in that way. Just don't see it. Yeah. Nah, I agree with you, man. It's going to be difficult. What he did to Jan, holy hell. I couldn't believe that. The pace. The pace. The dude is wild. I've seen him. I've I've seen him train at Syndicate, and it's like, you know, I'm not a professional athlete by any means, but like at the end of nine rounds of jujitsu, everyone's like, you know, asking for water, and they're ha- hyped that the class ended. He's like, "Come on, coach, come on, coach." He's like, "Yo, this dude is even breaking a sweat." Like, how is this happening, dude? Aljo told me about him years ago, and then Ray Longo told me about him, and I was just like, I, I watched the fight, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he's really good." But then after that performance against Petrion, we had him on Sirius, and I was asking Ray, I was just like. So does he do this all the time? He was like, yeah. Like, he just, he does not. And he, I was like, but he broke the takedown record. And he was like, yeah, it would have been more. Like, if you gave him more time, he would have kept going. And at a certain point, he's like, you going to try to finish this guy or what? Like, dominant performance. He's a problem. Aljamain, I can see going to 45. I see him winning this fight. My official prediction, I'm going to say third round submission. Okay. And so, yeah, I think a submission too. Maybe later. Maybe round four. Round four or five championship main event rounds. You, you get the submission there. Again, it's it's going to be a – I see it at worst being like 49, 46 sterling. Yeah, I just – like we keep saying it, and we're harping on the same thing over and over again. I'm just – I'm trying to find a way to make this a debate. I well, don't see it. Well, you get you do get fights like this every now and then yep. where it's just you try your best to to create the content, be entertaining, but you also you'd be lying to yourself. That's why I think the lines are very, very wrong. 
And again, I could see it after round three. They flashed that graphic. I said the same thing about Max Holloway a couple of weeks ago. I was on VEASAN breaking down that fight. And they were, you know, uh, Arnold Allen, the up-and-comer. And it's like, dude, this kind of like what we talked about with Gaethje, right? Yep. Like, yo, there's levels to this, dude. Max makes everybody look pedestrian. Yes. The only guy he doesn't, all his losses are to UFC champions. Yep. It's Connor, it's Poirier, and it's Volk. That's it. That's it. And we we heard it with Yair, we heard it with 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 Cater, we heard it with Ortega, we heard it with Alan, with Arnold Allen, and I said I said on the show I was like, yo, they're gonna flash the graphic after round four. It needs to be minus eight hundred. You know what he was? Minus seven seventy five. See, you got you got to stop this. The betting line, like MMA, does this a lot. I don't know if they just get caught up in like the hype on social media about how a fight is, because on paper Arnold Allen versus Mac Holloway looked like a really good fight. Yeah. My only question heading into that fight was. I was like, ah, is is Max on his back now? He's young. He's like a young, what is he, 31? 31, yeah. He's he's young, but he's got a lot of mileage on him. Yep. But other than that, have you seen what he's done to everybody else that's challenged him? He abuses them. The Calvin Cater fight was like my favorite because Calvin Cater, I'm the best boxer. And Max was like, really? Beat the shit out of you. Betting lines get shit all wrong. I think they got this one wrong. I think, yeah, we might see a... I'm going to say after two rounds, we're going to see like a minus. Because I think it's going to be Sterling controlling him. Cejudo's on his back. Can't figure out what to do. And then the weight cut, I think, is going to kill his condition. I, I just don't think – I don't think anybody's seen Henry Cejudo with his shirt off in two and a half years. Yeah. Now, now that think about it. Every video <laughs> you've seen, every workout is him yeah. in, in, in a rash guard. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't watched – the countdown show, but I don't recall seeing him with his shirt off. That's not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, Sterling by stoppage. I, I can't see it. Uh, little odds and ends before we get out of here. Uh, is John Jones fighting again this year? <laughs> I mean, why, why isn't that for fight week? I don't know. Like Dana said, I haven't heard from him at all. How does that happen? Kind of on brand, right? For yeah. John Jones just going ghost. I mean, if you're John Jones, I think you you fight Stipe whenever you fight him, and then you you either retire or you take Francis. He's not going to sit around to fight Pavlovich no. and Curtis Blades of the world. Like, he ain't doing that. Tom yeah. Aspinall was like, John won't fight me. I was like, you're right. Yeah, he ain't fighting you, bro. And it's not because he's intimidated. It's because, like, he's not waiting for you to get to his level. To No, nah, he's not doing that. So it sucks because, like you mentioned before, right, he was, he was gone for three years, comes back, and then – he was gone after three minutes because the fight ends. Yo, so that we, fight. Don't know, we don't know anything. We don't know anything about John. But I do think that – I think we see him. If we don't get Connor in November, I think we get John Jones, Stipe at MSG. I don't think Stipe has a shot in hell. I like – even his, you know, everyone's talking about the layoff for John Jones. Yeah. It's like Stipe hasn't fought since Francis. No. So that's, that's going to be two and a half years. And Stipe's old. Right, right, right. Like, Stipe's coming off of a knockout loss, being old. And then, I don't know, it's like I was watching him do his interview with Megan, and I was like, he sounds punch drunk. Yeah. Like, nah. This, I know what John's doing. Like, John's just like, I need to take out anybody that you've ever mentioned in the same sentence. That's it. Like, Aspinall, Pavlovich, fuck those guys. They don't belong. And if John beats Stipe, you know, John's going to get the mic. He's going to... He should push Joe Rogan out the way. And he's like, Francis Ganu, come back, bitch. Like, he's going to say something like that. All John has thought about is Francis. Like, yeah. he's a liar if he thinks, 
if he thinks that we think that he hasn't thought about fighting Francis in like I the think biggest that's why, I think that's why it took him so long to put on the weight to go to heavyweight because it was for Francis. Because yeah, he, he knew that Francis was going to be the champ. Yep. Because if it was going to be Stipe, dude, he probably could have fought him six months after he fought Dom. Dude, John is huge. Yeah. Like, John is so big that I think when John got in there with Cyril, who's a small heavyweight, John was like, mm, I'm kind of big. Like, yeah. I don't need to be this big for him. But Francis, yeah, I got to absorb that. I, I'm with you. I think we see John before the end of the year. I think he mauls Stipe and he calls out Francis. He puts it all on Dana. Figure that shit out. Get that man back. I need that fight. And I think in the interim, if you're smart, if you're Dana White, which I, I don't know if he's doing or not, so like, yo, pay Francis to not box. Do anything you can to not get that man to hurt his stock heading into that fight. Because if you can get him back, like, if, if, if Francis Ngannou were to go into boxing and fight Tyson Fury and get the brakes beat off of him, he comes back to you as damaged goods. Dude, I kind of feel like he's damaged goods now that he's not the champ. That's also Because Tyson Fury kept saying, I want to fight the heavyweight champ. Tyson, 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 man, Tyson's playing games. He is not interested in Francis Ngannou fight at all right now. He's interested in playing games. But we'll see. Well, Nick, it's been. It was a good time, man. Glad to, uh, to come in off the bench and drop 30. Yeah, and you know, no hot takes either because, you know, I can only take so much of Kel Dan. <laughs> fuck, man. I got to deal with him on for our next show. We got boxing and uh, pro wrestling this week, and we're going to get to talk about the WWE draft, which is, I don't even know why they call that shit a draft anymore. Just say we're just picking people. Yeah. Did you watch it? No, nah, I didn't watch it. Well, spoiler for those who did watch it or didn't watch it. So Odyssey Jones from NXT got drafted. And, like, they didn't draft Carmelo Hayes or Braun Breaker from NXT. And I'm like, if it's a draft, don't you just take the best player off the board? Yeah, which would be them too. <laughs> yeah. Neither of them got drafted. And people, like, take, like in my mentions, like, yo, they, they're not ready to be called up. I get what you're saying. Just don't call the shit a draft with nah. a boardroom where people are making decisions because none of that shit is true. But we'll talk about that later this week. Boxing uh, is Canelo week, and Canelo's in a fight that, I think a lot of people just don't care about. He's fighting John Ryder in Guadalajara, Mexico. Bro, I didn't even know that Canelo was fighting this week. I know I'm a casual. I would definitely describe myself as a boxing casual, but I knew about Tank and Ryan like a month out. Huge. Yeah. This, and and, and, and well, didn't he fight a dude Saunders? Billy, Billy, yeah, Canelo fought Billy Joe Saunders a year and a half ago. I remember waking up like a Thursday morning, like, yo, Canelo's fighting this week. My, my boy's in the group chat. I was like, dude, Canelo's like the biggest name in boxing, like you he mentioned. Is. And how come I'm hearing about this now? It's the and zone. I cover sports for a living. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the zone. It's my former employer. They're just, they just don't understand how to market to them. Yeah. You got a big fight happening in Mexico, which uh, Stadium Azteca holds like 50,000. They sold it out. It's good. The atmosphere is probably going to be crazy there, but it's a pay-per-view. Nobody's going to pay to fight, watch that fucking fight, but... It is what it is. Combat sports. I love what I do. Uh, appreciate y'all for listening. Make sure you follow us on all the social media platforms. I'm not Kel. I'm not running all that shit down. Corner Podcast. Me at Andreas L. Him at Kel Dansby. Uh, Nick, what's your Twitter? Nick Day is 10 on all social media and Veterans Minimum is where you can find the pod. Make sure you listen to Veterans Minimum. Nick, when it comes to betting, uh, is on Let's go. Putting me over. Gotta, I got to put you over. Like, it's NBA playoff season. It is NHL playoff season. Which better, the NBA or NHL playoffs? I love the NHL playoffs, bro. The Boston Bruins losing? Yeah. Holy fuck. It opened up everything. Like, I thought. I was like, wow, I'm even going to watch this shit. I thought the Bruins were going to run away with it. NBA playoffs, this year are fun, though. 
Yeah, they are. They are. Five, six, seven, and eight seeds and advancing never happened before. But yeah, follow Nick for all your betting needs. He'll make sure you get paid one way or another. If he doesn't, do not blame me because he's been <laughs> right more than he's been wrong. But it is what it is. But I'm gonna do it myself. Until next time, we're out. Nick, you can do the other part. Peace. On the